Welcome to Serially Hooked House of the Dragon. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad. And I don't know why I was confused there for a second, just saying our names. <laughs> Who are we again? Um, and today, despite our differences, our hearts remain as one. Ugh. I'm like shivering, quoting Otto Hightower, <laughs> but here we are. Um, programming reminders this week we have a weekly hook coming out sometime in the middle of the week and in the weekend we will be talking about the next episode of andor if you have not checked out the new star wars show on disney plus andor it is absolutely amazing i really really recommend you watch it and then listen to us talk about it Um, i think i mean safe to say that it is one of the best shows of the year um and you will not be disappointed and with that Wow, that's great to hear that you uh, also approve. Second, (laughs) I mean, if you want to hear more of our opinions, just check out the the whole podcast dedicated to that. Do we have anything else before we move on? Uh, Maybe also people subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, you know, you then that means you get all of our wonderful episodes just delivered to, uh, to you. You ha- don't have to do anything through the uh, miracles of technology. That's why you're the pro. With that, we will. What? Oh man, I was gonna say something about building a wall in our prison, but I couldn't figure it out. So there we go. <laughs> Outro intro done. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we just start. Uh, what'd you think of the episode? Any um, upfront stuff? Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting choice to have it all in King's Landing. For the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, I thought maybe this entire this entire uh, episode is just going to be the council meeting and like some psychological kind of, uh, you know tension and who's going to be on which side and everything but that very quickly resolved but still i think it's a great uh, i'm 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 tempted to say bold choice but definitely a great one to have a just focus on king's landing because that's where the action is and it's kind of a like indicative of the power because you know the power doesn't move to Rhaenyra it just stays in King's Landing and that's I think why it's smart to just depict King's Landing what do you think on that note really quickly it's really interesting because traditionally the heir to the throne has always resided on Dragonstone so Mm -hmm. it's it's really you know as you but you are right the the power does lie in King's Landing and I found it an interesting choice for sure um I wonder if next episode is just going to be all the Rhaenyra side but yeah I guess for this episode I loved the intro love I love the music I loved like how they built up to it the Uh. darkness it was gorgeous what a way to start Mm -hmm. it It it's really got you into it so what, what I really what I really loved about that specifically is that you know, when I started the episode, I saw the, the title of the episode. And so I kind of looked for it. And if you rewatch the intro, you can see there obviously there is a lot of warm light, but there there is also a lot of like if if there is light, you know, but a lot of the the cold light has a green tint to it, which I just thought visually was a great touch. Incredible. What a way. What a what a shout out, Chris. 
oh, just <laughs> killing it today. Um, and I think that my thoughts actually for the episode as a whole are actually quite similar to last episode in the sense that I loved a lot of it. Anytime Allison, her whole like logic was built on the fact that Viserys told her this dying wish or whatever, I just had to roll my eyes because that was a stupid decision to start with. Mm. And the end of this episode made me so angry. Um, and it made me so like, okay, no, not as angry as last week because last week I would think I was on fire, but this week mm-hmm. I, I just was like, I was so disappointed that they put Rhaenys in that position. And then like, it literally just makes no sense why she just didn't burn everyone up there. Like I, yeah, I was yeah. going to, I was going to say like, unfortunately the only one on fire is you and not everybody on that dais. <laughs> it really should have been everyone. And this whole thing yeah. could have been avoided. And Rhaenys, mm-hmm. what are you doing? So <laughs> Like, I understand that they wanted to bring dragons into this episode. They wanted to make a spectacular, like, what, like, was the worst thing possible to happen at the coronation. And I just, like, it did not. This is, like, a complete show invention. And it did not, you know, not like, you know, if something stupid happens in the books, it also is stupid. But I Mm. I really didn't like this, that choice by the, the showrunners here. Yeah, I mean, as far as bad things that can can happen at a coronation are, are a hostile dragon is definitely up on the, like up there, you know? <laughs> yeah, crashing through the floor and killing thousands and thousands of people in uh, a crowded but, building. <laughs> exactly, but then she's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to kill these five people who actually will have like consequences." Mm. But I'm going to kill all these thousands of innocent people. I know she's Targaryen; yeah. she doesn't give a fuck about like the civilians out there, but it I, I just it just was a really bad choice to me. I, I like the lead up to mm-hmm. it. So I loved yeah. what I loved about this episode is that we got out of King's Landing a little bit. We got some of the different things on the sidelines. We got some of the people. We got the like the perspective, even the cameras, how they're shot from Rhaenys' perspective, looking up at the guards and as she's get, getting herded towards the dragon keep. Oh, it's a really, so really good sequence there. And how she sneaks away at the very end. Love it. Love it. All, love all of that. But uh, this is the way they ended it. Really, mm. yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. And it, it <laughs> I thought it was particularly interesting that they showed the gods just forcing everybody to attend, basically, so that the king would have would have a crowd, you know, because otherwise nobody would know what's going on or like that is that something is going on or care um yeah that's totally allison's uh decision and i think it was a really smart one by her perspective yeah. i don't know what Otto was going to do and that brings me to another question that i had about the episode as a whole i don't really understand the split between Otto and allison here i get that Otto mm. doesn't mind killing rhaenyra and allison doesn't want to kill her but it doesn't i don't understand why they can't coordinate to try to find aegon why does one? Why does Otto want Aegon and Allison want Aegon separately? It is. It's a really interesting. Like, okay, what's going on here? I'm very confused. But um, it so that didn't really ring true to me. I think it was mm. sort of some somewhat manufactured tension on that side. Um, even though, like, in this episode, Allison does confess, and I'll, we'll talk about this later. But um, that you know, they aren't actually on the same side and Otto has never really been her champion in a way. But I, yeah, it just that 
I liked the chase scene between trying to find Aegon and the two sides, like, oh no, trying to beat the clock, but yeah. logically it didn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to the twins who I thought were the secret stars of this episode. God, uh, Eric and Eric. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> which is which is also I hate when when people do that, like in fiction, calling uh twins by very similar names i just hate one that because no parent would do that or just really shitty ones yeah probably that's what it is here they're just like we didn't want twins so we're just gonna name you the same thing and pretend (laughs) you're one person (laughs) yeah but i loved one the one of them just like shooting daggers at aegon and his brother like like the other eric uh and you know but we'll i know no we're i'm not gonna talk about it later but um I just love that, and their their brief discussion of like uh, one of them is like Aegon is obviously unfit to rule. Why are we doing this? I love that, um, and that whole discussion scene. And no one knows that more than Eric with an E, because Eric yeah. with an E is the sworn protector of Aegon, and he's like, this is not a person that we should let rule. But mm-hmm. this Eric with an A is very much adamant about following the rules and he's the one who ends up getting his head chopped off by Kristen Cole and Eric's just like peace out I'm gonna go try to get Rhaenys (laughs) and get out of here and presumably he'll make his way to Rhaenyra somehow but it is yeah it's uh it's really interesting split between the two and I wonder if Eric with an A (laughs) had lived (laughs) if they would have actually gone that way or what would have Mm. happened there. But there's a lot of like in any, in an episode with a lot of uh, potential chances for strange things to go awry. Mm -hmm. That's probably like lower on the totem pole compared to some of the other ones, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think this episode is just really good at depicting what happens if there's a, if there is ostensibly a coup, what happens on the top levels, because you have, uh, you know the council meeting you have the nobles and one you know bending the knee or not and then taking a, taken away and one of them just you know trying to get away but nearly you know near just missing it by a little by basically five seconds and i thought that was very well done uh, overall and yeah i don't know oh, i think it's still still a great episode great show and Probably the although dozens of civilians died that were forced to be there, still probably the least violent uh, penultimate episode in like Game of Thrones franchise history so far. Dozens, thousands, Chris. <laughs> it's like, really it, the whole place was packed with people, and the whole floor collapsed underneath and killing. Oh, the floor every- collapsed. Yeah. Oh, I did not. I yeah, did so not the see dragon that. came up from the floor and collapsed the entire thing. So everyone okay. in the center there just like completely. I rescind my statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, probably the least action packed penultimate yeah. episode, maybe. But I mean, yeah, it's what okay, what an episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want my negativity to cloud how much i like this episode and how much i'm liking the season as a whole because i really mm-hmm. do like this episode and it has a lot to give um and we have to pour one out for lord beesbury oh my oh, god poor yes. man i mean he had a great way to go if you're gonna go out as a loyalist to the king like good on you man 
Yeah, it's such a good ending there for him. And also, Chris and Cole need to chill out. Yeah, asshole. And he just gets promoted. Such a, (laughs) you know, he never gets, he just gets uh, perks for for being the asshole that he is. It's just, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's, Allison is getting her way here. Um, And I like how she's able to wrestle power away from Otto, even though he's been planning this whole thing and it's all happens Mm -hmm. after Otto's wishes, I guess. And it's another point that you mentioned with like what happens in coups. Coups don't come out of nowhere. They are meticulously planned at high levels of power around those who, you know, officially wield power. So I I think this is a great, um, as you said, depiction of that in all levels. Mm -hmm. So should we get into our top four uh, scenes? This time it's actually a top four. I want to just say, nice. I have four scenes. They're they're ranked. I'm not. I'm I'm ditching chronological things now. Uh, <laughs> at the very end, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us, Rashad, what's what your number four is? So my number four is the talk between. <clears throat> sorry, the talk between Allison and Rhaenys. Mm-hmm. And I think in retrospect, I should have had this higher because I thought this was a great conversation. Because it's my number three. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay, we'll talk about it more when you get, we get to yours. So what about, what's your number four then? My number four is the, and you might have that too, is uh, the conversation between Otto and Alicent. That's my number two. Oh, so. <laughs> damn it. Okay, so I guess we're going to talk about Alicent and Rhaenys. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, yeah, why don't you start? Okay, so I love in this episode, in this scene, uh, Rhaenys' sort of understanding and pointing out Allison's position in life. And she kind of, to a certain extent, has a little bit of pity for her here. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, it, first of all, it starts off with Allison coming in the room and asking Rhaenys for her support and giving her some reason why. And Rhaenys is really, re- she realizes it's just because of Melis, her dragon, and, you know, the, putting the dragon math on their side. Um, and then Rhaenys... I think Allison takes here a step too far, um, saying that the, the the crown should have been yours by right or blood. I think that is a step in the opposite direction because it is antithetical to what Allison is doing to Rhaenyra. And Rhaenys kind of mm-hmm. sees that here and sees the hypocrisy and then realizes that Allison will just say what she wants to get what she wants or say what she needs to get what she wants. And I really like the the quote obviously about um, how Allison is consistently uh, a window in the wall, like a, a, a in a prison, and all he, all she can do is try to build a little window instead of actually yeah. breaking free. But I also like how she calls out her BS about wanting power and not wanting power. She mm-hmm. um, Allison is this really confused character in the way that she. I feel like from the way I read it. She doesn't actually know what she wants because what she wants, she's not willing to pay the cost of what she wants in many ways. And Alicent herself uh, struggles so much to deal with the consequences of her actions, but still wants those actions to happen, if that makes sense. And Alicent is just a great character that's like full of juxtapositions within her. And Rhaenys calls all of that out here in this scene. And again, another MVP scene by Rhaenys. Yeah, Renice, I think, might be the most feminist character in all of the show. She's 
she has many great quotes about uh you know the the position of women in this in this society and i think to your point about you know Alison might not know what she wants i think it's more a more a thing about her like you can really see she's been brought up in this patriarchal society and being raised in this context by the people he she's been raised uh by and also uh you know in the environment that she's raised by in she just it's so ingrained in her that women can't have power that she can't she she has to mentally like I don't know, be very twisty and like, I don't know, like I was going to make some some acrobatic metaphor, but it j just slipped my mind. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, she, she she really has to do some mental acrobatics here, I suppose. Uh, and you can see that it is kind of her, almost like going against her programming, if you want to put it that way, and how she struggles with it and how she doesn't, she comes close, but she doesn't actually go all the way. And that is also pointed out by Renice, who says that uh, you, you toil still in service to men, your father, your husband, your son. I thought that that just really... Re I love Renice. She's such a like sharp character and she speaks truth to power. I mean, she is also part of the power structure in some sense, of course, but uh, she's an outsider in that structure. So... Um, I, I love whenever she shares her insights. And so, yeah, I was thinking about where to put it. And I think it is just, uh, you know, it, 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 I thought it, I did, couldn't put it at number four because I just thought that that is just a, such a cutting uh, observation on Renice's part. And yeah, the whole, uh, what, what, what Alison does in the beginning, trying to smooth things over and sweet talk Renice. And Renice is obviously way more uh, experienced than she is. It's like, oh, I see what you're doing. It's cute, but no. And yeah, I love that scene. So my number three scene, or I guess my third scene, is the scene between Aegon and his mother in the carriage mm -hmm. a because i feel like it's about time that we got some more from Aegon himself because he's such an object of of like importance throughout the season but he doesn't actually have much lines and what's going on here and i really like how you can tell that he felt something missing from his father and this lack of attention or just second playing second fiddle to everything and just being an object in this power game has affected him personally and you can potentially see that that would lead him to do the things he does in some ways i mean i'm not justifying he is a fucking asshole <laughs> for sure yeah. right but i think there's a couple things one he's smarter than he lets on i think he realizes what's happening here and then he also the way he looks at Alicent and suspiciously, it, it, it to me reads that he understands a little bit about what's going on here and about how Alicent could be potentially playing him. And it, it really comes to Alicent to um, look him in the eye and tell him, I speak the truth for him to 
actually believe her. And for me, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my God, imagine how much more powerful this would be if we knew that she was lying. That would be absolutely incredible. But the way that scene, I think, is just, it's really encapsulates Aegon as a character. And then it, it, you know, there's a scene later on that has a lot to do with Aegon as well. But I found it a really interesting kind of prelude to what's happened, what's going to happen later on. And then also, I just, I, I find, I found it interesting because it's a classic trope in fantasy where it is the reluctant leader who ends up becoming the hero of the story. It's mm-hmm. the person who doesn't want to rule. Who then? I mean, it's a, t- a typical uh, Gandalf line, right? Um, it's those who do not seek to rule or whatever end up seeing that it fits well or whatever. Is that Gandalf or is that? Um, Sounds like Gandalf. Uh, yeah, it sounds like Gandalf, huh? <laughs> I think it's a Gandalf <laughs> one. For a second, I was like, oh, no, is that Dumbledore? But no, I think it's Gandalf. It might be uh, both of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it is. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's Gandalf. It's when he's talking to uh, Frodo, who doesn't want it or whatever, yeah. something like that. But either way, um, I think that this is a subversion of that. So now we have a reluctant leader who should not be the person to rule. Normally it's the person who wants to rule someone like a Joffrey who we end up mm-hmm. learning to hate. But Aegon is a, the interesting opposite of that. And I think we're the show set us up well to already hate Aemond quite easily. But Aegon here is someone that uh, pre- we also hate previously for his personality, but they're, they're putting this somewhat relatable um, character trait into him, if that makes sense. And then the last note of that scene for me that I noticed is if it's her giving him the cat's paw dagger as something that is inherited from king to king, it was a really interesting. I, I always thought that that was just something that King Viserys liked to have on him at all times. I mean, I know it has mm. the inscription of the Song of Ice and Fire, but and that would make sense why I would go from king to king. But then what happens to that? Does that get lost in this conflict that's coming up? Or I think we'll see. We'll have to see some sort of. Um, hint to where that ends up going so that it eventually ends up with uh, the Lannisters somehow. Yeah, I think not, uh, they are also doing a great job this episode of showing us reasons why Aegon is a shitty person. Uh, and how much I think they've done a great job here showing us how he just doesn't want the like the position, the power. He he says it, he states it very clearly to Aemond who is probably going to be very tempted in the future to just get rid of him. Uh, and I, I thought for a second when when Aemond was holding him back after they had taken him, that he just put him on the ship <laughs> um, or just let him disappear, I suppose, in one way or another. Um, but yeah, that scene I also really liked because it is one of these... When she when he asks Alicent, "Oh, do you love me?" Uh, you could really tell, like, and how his father never liked him, and you could really tell, you know, the old saying of uh, hate isn't the the opposite of love; it's indifference. And how, ha- like, somebody who has just never really gotten the kind of attention he craved for, um, because yeah, he from the moment he was born was a pawn on a big chess piece. And that obviously does something (laughs) with you. I feel like, you know, that is, that is both something that Alison can relate to, but also the intergenerational trauma that she has 
given his son. And yeah, I like that scene a lot. And the dagger specifically, because I wasn't sure what's because they they just show it so clearly. It was kind of a red herring for me because I thought, oh, is he going to kill himself with it? Like, you know, on the coronation. And he's like, no, I don't want this and just kill himself. That'd be with awesome. The dagger. Yeah, I like half expected that or just like kill Otto or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like that scene as well. So good, good on you for choosing it. And I think now it's time to talk about the uh, exchange between Otto and Alison. Um, you know, what, with your quote at, at the very beginning, whatever our differences are, hearts remain as one. And I, so I was like, oh, bullshit, man. You're just trying to emotionally, <clears throat> emotionally manipulate your daughter the same way she tries to manipulate her son. So there's a nice through line there. And I liked... Allison spell, spelling out that uh, she knows how much her father has used her and how they just have she doesn't want to this to keep going and how they have big philosophical differences or moral differences uh, culminating in the line that reluctance to murder is not a weakness and uh Though at this, you know, she's also pretty uh, unscrupulous. So, <laughs> you know, when it really comes to it, she well, just... Well, because in a think, scene later, she's like, yeah, go kill Mazaria for me, Laris. Exactly. And then you can masturbate to my feet. Yeah, that was another scene that I thought was very interesting. We get a lot of insights into people's sexuality here in Ooh. this... In this uh, yeah, in, <laughs> in this episode, like with Aegon, I think maybe as well. And yeah, that the Larry scene was interesting, um, but also totally tells you a lot about Alicent, I suppose, and uh, you know, her uplifting decency all the time is just kind of int- an interesting juxtaposition with the sort of situation she finds herself in. I didn't read it like that. I read it more like she knows how to manipulate the men around her. So, for example, she appeals to the white knight inside of Kristen Cole to get him to do something. And that's the Mm. way that she motivates him. And Laris is through depraved sexual acts. And that's like she knows how to get what she wants out of these men. So I mean, not to kink shame. Not to kink shame. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) That's a very, very good point. I apologize sincerely for that. But in this case... Not ideal. We just Allison. don't like Laris. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, don't like Laris, and then also Allison doesn't seem that she's really consenting in this scenario. Yeah. So um, maybe we can lack of consent shame. Like it's a very clear transaction, but yeah. with with one party, just yeah, not consenting really, being very unhappy with what happens basically. <laughs> uh, but either way, I think I th- that's how I read it. So I read it as Allison, even though. It mm. is, you know, the focus is on getting what she wants and transactional in that way. Um, and it does juxtapose her so-called morality. She realizes the ways she can manipulate the people around her to get what she wants. So yeah, um, that's her weird way of um, having strength in this episode, which is interesting to me. But back to Otto and Allison. 
I don't think I've hated a character more in a TV show than Otto Hightower in <laughs> quite a while. Because as much as I dislike Allison in the past couple episodes, in this episode, she becomes really relatable in a way that I wish that we hadn't gotten a couple episodes of her being basically an asshole to everything, to everyone, and in an unreasonable way. But Otto here, she really finally calls him out for all of his crap. And I like that Otto has no retort at the very end, except to say, you look like your mother. And that basically meant to me that he has lost this. He does not have the power in this dynamic anymore. He is speechless here and there's nothing he can do. And obviously, as he says, I think as she leaves, as you wish, right? Something Mm -hmm. like that. And it, to me, just read that the tables have finally turned on Otto within the side of the greens and Alicent holds the power here. And if I wanted to highlight the scene because I think it's turning point in not only their relationship, but the relationships within the this side of the conflict to come. And also, anytime, I, anytime Otto gets dunked on, I am more than happy <laughs> to highlight that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think Otto alone, my hatred for Otto alone swings me clearly to the side of Rhaenyra. And just in mm-hmm. the battle of Otto versus Damon, I will come on to Damon's side any day of the week. I mean, of course. How can you not? He did but, kill uh, his wife, his first wife in cold blood. So not a great and almost fucked his like 13-year-old uh, niece and then had sex with her when she... At least he at least he waited until she was of age. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, Damon is uh, great, but if you if you uh, if you make me choose between the two of them, it's still pretty easy. No arguments for me. Nobody's perfect, I guess. <laughs> you you can't see it, but I'm frowning confusedly. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, my number two. We've already talked about it. I, I don't. I don't know yet what I feel about it, but I just knew. It, obviously, it's a powerful scene. A scene that, you know, it is kind of the thing that the the last episode is going to revolve around, which is the the decision of Rainis to you know not say Dracaris. Basically, I think. It, I was very excited, despite the dead civilians, to see Rhaenyris on her dragon. And, you know, after she had, she was basically imprisoned in the Red Keep and, you know, getting out. And the whole, the entire buildup was just great. Of uh, She can't get out. She has an opportunity by talking to Alicent if she takes her side. And then Eric comes and gets her, but then they can't leave because the guards just force everybody to go to the coronation. And then finally can she can slip away and get her dragon and yeah, just basically ruin things for everyone. Uh, but she could have ruined it way more if she had said Dracarys. And I agree, it is infuriating that she didn't but obviously for the uh for the show i mean that would have been a shocker right up there with uh basically i don't know if i wanted to go as far as the red wedding but a pretty big shocker anyway imagine a world in which she comes up roasts all of them and then the whole 
Dance of the Dragons is Rhaenys versus Rhaenyra. Exactly. I was kind of hoping for that because I like both of them way more than the other side. But obviously, narratively speaking, it also makes sense to have this entire side that you've established that are just not great people. I feel like, you know, that that makes more sense. And I am, I, I mean, I'm sure Renis will die by the hand of one of them. The, of the people that she spared, but I think it's also interesting that she spared them, and what especially that does to Alicent. Yeah, it it infuriates me that they put, even put her in that position because yeah. it doesn't make sense. She could have escaped later on, and no one's gonna find her if she's with Melis down there, anyways. So, like, true. Yeah, it's just I didn't I didn't like it at all. But you know, that's the world we live in. My number one. Scene I, I, was- sorry, sorry. One one second before you get to your number one. Just the thought that I just had. Is this kind of the showrunners or and writers' response to how Daenerys turns out in Game of Thrones, maybe? That both of them have a choice? What do you mean by that? You know, at the very end, uh, I mean, to be fair, uh, they both kill thousands of civilians. So, just want to say that, but... How, oh, you mean like uh, it, Daenerys comes and like burns everything, and then this exactly. is Rhaenyra not, and Rhaenys does not exactly. I, that was just the thought that just occurred to me. So that that might might be one of these moments, like in like remember, like um, almost like in Star Wars, where some creators just comment on it's it's almost it's almost like a Luke throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder moment for me. Yeah, but that didn't make me as angry and. It, and make <laughs> zero sense because this makes That's no true. sense logically speaking but yeah um uh, i guess i don't know I, I can't read the minds of it the thing is in yeah. the after so in the post episode interview they say it was because she didn't want to do that to another mother so when she's looking at Alison's mm. going to protect Aegon, she's like oh i can't do this to another mother kill her kids and herself so and I they see. wanted to give renice agency to choose here but yeah come on you can like, really feel that, though, like that agency, I got to say. The agency you can feel, for sure. And you can't, but just like, it doesn't make sense that she wouldn't kill these people. Yes, it's Because she <laughs> she's smart enough to know what's going to come down the road. And uh-huh. if she doesn't do this, the entire realm is going to go to war. So, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. It's not going to make me stop watching the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your number one? My number one is the coronation scene. It kind of has to be. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, I, I separated a little bit to what happens before Rainey's blows everything up, but I loved Aegon's transformation in this episode because you yeah. we know how reluctant he is. And then as soon as people start cheering, he starts to slowly realize what does this actually mean to be king and then to be quote unquote loved by everyone. And there's a couple scenes and shots here. I love as the camera looks up at Allison through the swords with the uh, with the green of her dress, and it's just an absolutely mm-hmm. amazing sequence. Like, I I also found it really interesting. Little tiny note that they decided to put like all the people coughing in the background. It's like it's, it's mm. a little small thing, but it just to me breeds so it's so much more realistic than when yeah. you go to a scene where it's just like silence never no huge crowd especially of peasants that are half of them are riddled with some sort of disease yeah. is not silent like is silent like that <laughs> it's so i found that really funny really amazing but then yeah. also th- why was kristen cole speaking at any given point during this yes. ceremony i Absolutely. was so i was yelling at the screen being like shut this guy up 
I don't understand <laughs> what they're doing here. Uh, I was so angry. Maybe it is because he's now Lord Commander of the King's Guard and he's the one who who crowns the king. And uh, Is but, he though? Yeah, well, because Alicent said to Otto, um, Kristen Cole's No, I mean, get... he, he is Lord Commander, but why would the Lord Commander crown the know. king that doesn't really make any sense doesn't make it should be the septon who was there the high septon yeah, who was there exactly. as well but that that's just maybe because we're trained by medieval history to expect that also yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter that it's fine i'm willing to let that slide but i not the fact that it is Kristen cole that's the part that made me angry and i just wanted yeah. to highlight here the performance of tom glenn carney who plays uh aegon and mm. i think I, i'm really interested to see how he takes that performance in a different direction because you know some mm. of the more assholey characters some of the best performances um so i i wonder how mad kingy does he get or how robert baratheon yeah. he does he get i think he leads more robert baratheon than uh king uh wait like the mad king or whatever <laughs> yeah. or uh, who's Mago or the cruel i think he's gonna be yeah. more like robert he's more of a party king in that way but i guess we'll party. find out <laughs> nice yeah i think yeah, the the thing I like the most about this scene is his transformation and the realization that the you know he can he gets power from the crowd cheering his name or cheering him, and that is he all, all he ever wanted was being loved. You know, is something we've talked about earlier that we see in the episode. But I think what the what the show does really well here is kind of commenting on that by showing that really the crowd will cheer for anyone who's up there because they say oh yeah you know oh i they obviously don't mention rhaenyra but you know oh the king is dead and he wanted to uh uh he wanted his son to be on the throne so here he is and the crowd is like okay whatever we're just going to applaud him uh which is kind of a shallow thing or hollow maybe even and so i love that as like on like a meta level that like yeah you think you're being loved but really they're commoners being forced into this building by armed guards and there are many more armed guards in the building now so what are they going to do not cheer for you you know uh and so i thought that that was a nice comment there on the whole affair i thought that was a great point and i think that the interesting reaction of the crowd because at the beginning they seemed kind of confused because they thought they knew rhaenyra was the heir to the king heir to the throne but it's really interesting to see that they eventually accept aemon in a way oh sorry aegon in a way that was a freudian slip freudian slip yeah Yeah. God, if anyone would be Mago the Cruel, it is Aemond. Because oh, he, yeah. he would just kill anybody anytime. He's basically Kristen yeah. Cole 2.0. It's yeah, cra- quite really bad, is. actually. With a dragon. Ugh, scary. With a huge <laughs> dragon. That yeah. makes me very scared. But, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're totally right. It's completely hollow. And it's just like, they will, root, they will you know, cheer for anyone. I mean, I also love the tagline, Viserys the Peaceful. That's his title. Oh, man. Yeah, I love that. That was so great. That was such a, oh, stick a knife to, into a dead man's chest, my friend, Alto. Uh, that was He'll great. take every I, opportunity. He will. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what kind of happened, but it's also what Viserys loathed the most about his reign, which is just... 
And Otto knows that, obviously. So it's, it, it is kind of a biting remark. Uh, well, do you have any uh, last thoughts or predictions? I have my number episode? one. <laughs> oh, my God. We haven't done your... I'm so sorry about that. That's fine. So my number one, it has to be the Green Council scene. Oh, fuck. How did I forget that? Oh, my God. I don't know, man. Oh, my God. That's such a good scene. <laughs> yes. Okay, go um, ahead, please. I was actually kind of disappointed that this wouldn't be the uh, all the entire episode because when I first thought, oh, are they just is this just going to be the entire uh, episode? I was kind of, I, I love this kind of, uh, you know, psychological play and political alliances on a small level, but right there. And when they said, nobody's going to leave the room before we've made a decision. I thought that, oh, we're just going to, this is going to be it. So I was kind of disappointed when it didn't happen in a, in a weird way. And, yeah, we have, we have just it's so so many things happen. Obviously, you've talked about it. Uh, Lord Beesbury isn't having the plotting against Rhaenyra, and then Kristen Cole. And I think it's great because when he f- starts to speak, you can just see Kristen Cole moving into frame, and you know exactly what's going to happen because this guy has a short fuse and a pretty brutal disposition, um, and. I I love that Beesbury is like no I'm not having any of this this is bullshit I know I've known Viserys longer than any of you including Otto and you know he knows what Viserys wanted and it doesn't make any sense and he points out all the right things and he still gets killed uh and I love the Lord Commander as well who who's really standing up here you could I, I love the the editing as well where they just cut to him frowning and just making his decision really you can see his thought process also really well acted obviously um and he he quits just like uh Barristan Selmy did in a way in Game of Thrones which kind of really speaks to the position of Lord Commander that you have people of such moral strength on there and yeah obviously we have Alison who is as as Renise points out later you know she doesn't really know or you know she doesn't really know what she wants so she kind of hides behind the men but also then you know is in a prison and everything but she is aghast at when when she says, oh you've been plotting all along of course they have i mean what do you like she's kind of naive here as well and she you can just see her trying to close the gap and i don't know i just i just loved the whole machination the political machinations in the scene where people have plotted and then other people don't have it and Allison also won't hear anything bad against Viserys and yeah in the end obviously otto's scheming pays off with the other council members but i i don't know it's just it's a great scene and it's you know house of cards in in westeros and i loved it yeah i can't believe i forgot this episode this scene i think it's the best scene of the of the season um i think that yeah it would have been really interesting to see them have more division between them, not just mm-hmm. Beesbury kind of just stepping up, but 
in the end, I think that it was perfect and had so many interesting layers there. I was surprised, you know, for a second, I thought Kristen Cole was going to kill the Lord Commander as well, or at least try. Same, yeah. And yeah. I was kind of surprised he didn't try, but mm-hmm. or they allowed him to leave. But I yeah. like the decision he made, how he quit, and everyone else. And he also, like, commanded... Kristen Cole to quit and Kristen Cole obviously mm. didn't do that because he's only he only takes orders from the queen apparently so it is it no it's just such a great scene on all levels and just it it sh- it's the beginning of a of an episode that just highlights why Otto is the worst and it yeah I love this scene so much and I always knew this death for Lord Beersbury is coming so it was great to see it yeah. on screen and just be like so happy to like you know, the old man who was confused, not knowing what's going on in the end, he, you know, went out on a high. So great by him. Yeah. Peasbury is so cool, <laughs> honestly. Um, also, yeah. they paid finally paid off all those like little shots of the little marbles that they yeah. have at the table. <laughs> like, because Peasbury, I don't think Kristen Cole actually meant to kill him there, at least no, the way that I, I read don't it. Think so. But yeah, I mean, same. when you take a ball to the temple, like oh. you're gonna die <laughs> at least so. it was quick you know yeah yeah at least but it was uh, yeah it, it, it did read like a uh like an accident like Kristen cole underestimated how strong he is in like in comparison to beesbury who's just a frail old man and he just slammed his head on the table which is just where his marble is so yeah or Kristen cole let out the little bit of his hidden rage there a little too much yeah, uh, that's another way to read it. A less favorable way to read it towards Kristen Cole. Yeah, I think both of those again, like what I said, you know, short fuse. He really has anger management issues. Let's put it that way. And uh, and yeah, he's going to be Lord that. Commander, just as you said that it's good to have moral people like Barris and Salmi there. Now it's going to be fucking Kristen Cole. Yeah, exactly. That, that's how you. And what was the guy's name uh, who then ended up in the in the watch in Game of Thrones? The like short bald guy. Oh yeah, um, Jana Slint. Yes, exactly. That's that's how you can always see bad trans- transitions of power for people who you know. And again, a great depiction of what happens when pe- when a coup happens. People who are usurping just put the people who've helped them gain the power into key positions, not really thinking about whether they're capable of doing that or not. Because most of the time they're not. Yeah, and they just have to pay out, uh, pay off allegiances. So I think I just again, can't this... wait. Like I want to see Chris and Cole being burned alive by fire. <sighs> I can't wait for that yeah. to happen. Like I'm just like that's. I literally don't know. So that's not me spoiling yeah. anything. But I would just love Rainice to like come in and just like Jakaras the fuck out of him. <laughs> I feel like I feel like at some point there's going to be a fight between him and Damon. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you'd imagine, so. and then you think, yeah, Damon would win that fight. I guess I don't know. know. I honestly yeah. don't know. That's the thing. We might think, like, yeah, and finally, Kristen Cole's getting his ass kicked, and then he just kills Damon, and then we hate him even more. You know, that's a good Game of Thrones thing. They would do that exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think oh, I'm just so excited. It is going to be the last episode next time for this season um but wow what a i'm just going to you know i'm just curious how they're going to end it and obviously it's going to be with an intriguing cliffhanger and an outlook of what's going to happen this the next season and obviously a lot of dragonstone 
a lot of Rhaenyra and Damon. Well, I think now we've gotten into what the real show is going to be about. This mm-hmm. show is supposed to depict the Dance of the Dragons. And famously in Fired and Blood, it's written that the first casualty or the first blood spilt in the Dance of Dragons was Lord Beesbury. So oh, now we've seen it begin. So I'm really excited to see what comes next and where they're going to go with the next few seasons as well, because we have no idea. Very excited. And with that, thank you for listening, dear listener, and to support the show, um, subscribe to the podcast and any platform of choice. And also give us your maximum rating units. And I guess with that, for Chris, I'm Rashad, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.